Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bedrock City Presents Uncanny Universe Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're talking about American Fiction, a brand new film from Cord Jefferson. I think this is his first film, actually. I might be wrong. Um, I, I might be wrong. We'll find out in the review. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get this thing going. Hey, everyone. This is Dylan. And I'm Michael. That's right. Uh, we don't get our facts straight at the top. We, get, we do it as we go. That's right. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about American Fiction. Uh, I think we covered the trailer when it came out uh, several months ago, um, but That's it's right. what we, we've been looking forward to for a while. But um, as a warning, we will, as always, uh, we will be talking about spoilery topics. So if you don't want the movie spoiled for you, although there's not a ton, I don't think that would ruin the experience for you. It um, agreed. Although maybe some of the gags are best, uh, you know, going in blind, I think. But you already know the vibes if you've seen the trailer. Uh, but fair warning, we will spoil it, but we will not spoil anything until after the news. So, Dylan, what you got? All right. So, I feel like it's like we're amping up to February, so we have to cover all the Madam Web news. Um, Do the we? Movie, the movie of the year is upon us. Tell me why I got a Madam Web trailer in front of American Fiction. The smart satirical comedy pre- preluded, uh, preceded by the trailer for Madam Web. Oh, I thought you were talking about Madame Web. When oh, you excuse said me. That. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. That is a weird match. Uh, yeah, my trailers are bad. Sony? I don't know. Um, okay, but that's coming out Feb- Valentine's Day. Um, right. I'm hoping tickets still aren't sale, but I'm hoping there's a 13th showtime because I don't want to ruin. I'm, I'm sorry. I will not go on Valentine's Day. I'll go later if that's I'm the case. Absolutely not going on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you don't think there'll be a fun activity for you and Lori? Like no. Whole... No. No, I do not. Maybe if you like, not you, but like if someone's One. like in a relationship and they're wanting to break up, like <laughs> you could do that and then break take up. them to Madam Web. Yeah, and that way it seems like not that bad because you right. just did something worse, you know. You know that that's a good point. That's that's a very good point. That's they should market it like that. <laughs> the the breakup movie of the year. Um. Okay. Well, we got some more details about like so we don't know up until this point where the movie is set, how it fits into the timeline, and the Spider Man sony universe you know because so far like what they're saying is venom morbius all those are within the tom holland sony universe you know Mm -hmm. um that was proven by vulture showing up in morbius that's right i get them mixed up they're all kind of the same to me (laughs) Um, they're all the same so this movie was originally set in the 1990s and had references to spider-man it's rumored that it features like a pregnant uh Mary Parker? What's her name? Spider-Man's mom? Whatever. Yeah. Uh I, I don't know, dude. Uncle Ben's uh Uncle Ben's daughter. Sister. Sister. Something like that. I don't know, dude. And Adam Scott's supposed to be his father. Um uh but so I think it was gonna be like a saving Peter in the womb <laughs> movie or something like that. Okay. Um but apparently they've cut all references references to Spider-Man in the movie or or all significant ones. And they I mean, shifted she's Madam Web. Her web connects us all. I hate it. He was researching spiders in Africa with my mother right before she died. Um oh, anyway. Uh but it was originally set in the nineteen nineties, but now they've shifted it to be set in what I think is like an underrepresented year in movies, and now it's set in 2003 <laughs> for some reason. Um, so, like, after they shot it and did everything, yeah. they just sh- 
That's what they're saying. They're that like, sounds cool nope, for it's 2003. storytelling integrity. That's really great. I love yeah, that. Yeah, sure the outfits and cars and stuff will totally be like that. There won't Dylan, be a reshot line being like, it's do you the year 2003. Do you think they really paid that much attention to the cars and fashion? You're right. There's probably modern cars in it. Right. They probably got a Tesla in there, Dylan. The clothes based on the trailer, I thought it was present day. You gotta be honest. I didn't, yeah, I didn't I, tell same. it was a period 90s? Piece. <laughs> it, okay, whatever. Not a Jinko in sight. Um, um, and then they also confirmed, uh, Dakota Johnson confirmed that it's a standalone universe and world separate from Venom and Spider-Man and all those. So they're like, and that's not something she would just say, like on late, this was on Jimmy Fallon. Like this is something they have to like plan out to say to like prime us fork, you know? So yeah, they're doing the story here is that they're making a big effort to divorce it from the other Sony content. And if they didn't do that with like, there are other stinkers like I'm wondering how bad it is, you know, not to like poop on it before it comes out. But, oh, but Dylan, come on. Is nobody wait. thinks this is going to be good. Nobody. Wait, OK, help me remember, Michael. There was a movie last year that we like endlessly dumped on and then it ended up being pretty good. Wasn't there? I thought I'd have to look at the letterbox, but probably there I, was I, something. It does that happen. We, like, we get really proven- had to like. Well, the last the last thing that I remember being proven like hor- horrifically wrong was Sonic. The first it wasn't Sonic. that. I know that I was years that ago. Yeah, I remember. I that remember yeah, I remember that. But Super Mario World. I think that movie wasn't great, but it was better than I expected it to be. I don't I remember. remember. This It'll is come to me. Not riveting. I'll have to look at the list from last year, but um, this could be one of those. Psalm Saint. You never know. Okay. Um, or we could ironically love it. I'm hoping it's so bad it's good. That would be my favorite. Like I want to be able to go to the River Oaks midnight showing for this in twenty oh years, God. you know. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, next, we got a, some comic book news. Um, this time from IDW. Uh, oh. I'm not a I'm not a Turtles reader, but there's some like big, big moves happening with the TMNT universe. Um, it's ending with number one fifty. I think they're on like one forty seven or something right now, and uh, this is like Sophie Campbell's um, like pretty acclaimed run. I think it's ending after. A four-year run, which is a really long time for a comic creator now to have a for sure run on a title. I love um, Sophie Campbell too; she's great. Been a fan of hers since uh, Glory uh, with Image. I love those books. People really like this book too. Um, they do. I'm just never been into Turtles, so I haven't tried, but I probably should. Um, but it's ending with 150, and then Jason Aaron is taking over uh, in June, writing writing duties. That's so um, interesting. It's starting with a TMNT Alpha number one. You know, they got to have two number ones, and then it'll be preceded by TMNT number one. Um, of course. And and the first four issues have really good artists, too. We got Joel Jones on issue one, then Cliff Chang, then Raphael Albuquerque, then Chris Burnham. So there's like A-list artists doing one issue for the first four, and oh, they're all like okay. titled by characters. So it's kind of interesting. I interesting. wonder if they're going to be solo adventures and then come together with number That's five cool. or something. I mean, Turtles does need some excitement aside from Les Ronin. I mean, they have, they've had this ongoing, like you said, going on forever and it's not getting new people in, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, sad it, to see Sophie Campbell go, but like, I like Jason Aaron. So before years is a long time. I feel like it is. Like, it's um, Dan I, territory. Hope she, I hope she was given like her own terms to end on and everything. And like plenty of warning is what I'm hoping for, but sure. Um. Yeah, I know. Like people are, some people are kind of against the relaunch numbers, but I think they need to capitalize on like the movie success. It didn't make about a bunch of money, but it's really acclaimed. And the last round in, you know, like Turtles yeah. is like pretty hot right now. 
Um, right. This is the hottest it's been in a little bit. So, and I think this book will be really big. It'll be popular. For I do sure. too. I do too. Um, okay. We got some Daredevil born again news. We've covered how they're like, uh, restructuring it to put it nicely, right. I guess. Okay. AKA like reshooting and rewriting and basically redoing it. Um, yikes. This is a via a Hollywood trade reporter turned scooper. Jeff Snyder scooper. <laughs> I guess he left and now he's a scooper. He's using his connects to give us some, some tea. Um, okay. It was, he's saying that originally the show was going to start off with uh, foggy and Karen having been killed like off screen. Okay. Um, but now they're like, uh, it says they're bringing back Deborah Ann Wool and whoever plays foggy. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be, to actually be in the show. There's no like news about, how much of it they would be in. I assume it wouldn't be as big of a role because they're not throwing away the whole series up they shot. They're just reshooting things and moving it around right. and stuff like right. that. So I don't think they're going to be like uh series regulars, but apparently they're going to be rejoining the show now, which um I think is a good thing. I thought they were Definitely. pretty integ- integral to the Netflix ones. And I think it's like a wild decision to kill them off screen. That doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Yeah, no, I mean, they're definitely a part of it. And if we're connecting to Netflix, they definitely should have been a part from Jump. It makes me lose faith in the show overall that that was even not only consideration, but something that they did. That's wild to me. I agree. I agree. That seems, I don't know. All will be revealed at some point, I suppose. The show was supposed to be like 20 something episodes, right? For like, whoa, or 18. in the 2003? It was supposed to be a massive season one, but if I had to guess, it will be significantly less by the time it actually comes out. Yeah. But yeah. 20 episodes in 2024. Mm-mm. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. What is this? What is this like? Grey's Anatomy? Let's calm down. Right. This is, um, yeah, exactly. Next one's really quick. Uh, it's just that the Marvels is uh, it's like um a paid promo for me. They're not paying, me. <laughs> uh, but the Marvels is uh, available now. Like you can, you can rent to buy it, but it'll be on Disney plus February 7th. So I just wait till then. If you like, if you didn't go to see it in the theater, you can wait a week, you know, yeah. but not pay, not pay to see it. But we both really liked it. So I think it's we did. We both out. really liked the Marvels. Marvels is, was really good. Um, the best Marvel movie of the year. I think I'm trying to remember if anything else better came out. Um, Quantum Mania nope. and um, Guardians. I like Marvels better than oh, Guardians. I like Guardians more, but okay. only they're so different. But right, either way, a very good Marvel movie came out. Yeah, either way, one hundred percent worth a watch on Disney Plus if you pay for it already. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. We got a big trailer finally. Only one though. Yes. Um, for this is the first. We had a little teaser of like some settings before for the avatar the last airbender netflix adaptation but today we got our the first full like actual uh trailer with where we could see the cast and key moments from quote book one of the show hmm. i know that makes michael mad but it's book one it's not a season it's a book okay hmm. um and we can see the whole cast for the first time including you know everyone and katara Sokka, stuff like the that. gang's all here dylan gang g-a-a-n-g Oh my god! You spell it. I didn't. Uh, I gang. didn't intend for that. I retract my statement. That's what they're called, like in universe. Okay. Um, the but gang it comes out... are they really? Yes, G A A N G, for Ang. Oh. Gang, Ang's gang. I thought it was Ong. How dare you? We don't <laughs> talk about that. Um, but it comes out I February twenty second. 
So not too far at all, but it's pretty close. I want to hear as not an avatar fan, uh, what you thought. Michael. Well, as a non avatar fan, um, you're not a hater, but you're not, no, like I'm not. I watched the first season. Either. I thought yeah. it was fine. Uh, cause we were going to go back and way back when Ron was on the show, we were going to, you know, watch all of it. And then that just didn't happen. Um, I thought the trailer looked okay. Um, I thought the effects looked pretty good. It looked a little, okay. The effects look mostly pretty good. I seem to remember, um, one or two spots where I, th- I thought that it might be looking a little TV, you know? Uh, I mean, it is a TV, so that is fine. But um, I thought I thought mostly it looked good. I think some of the environments look kind of weird, but that just might have been um, trailerizing some things. But I thought on the whole, it looked like the best live action anime. I know this. I know it's not anime, but um, live well, action. Actually, no, <laughs> live action anime <laughs> um, adaptation uh, that I've seen so far. So I thought I thought it looked really good. Yeah, I thought it looked okay. So I'm a big fan. Like for I, more context, but um, yeah. I'm curious what I'm curious what everybody like what the discourse is though. The consensus seems to be that it looks really good. Um, I think One Piece bought a lot of goodwill from people. Yeah. Um, because Netflix had only done bad adaptations up until that point, so they're like a little bit more hopeful. I think they've maybe learned some lessons, but um, and people were nervous with this because the creators left due to creative differences, the original uh, animation creator. So. But I think they just left because they went and started that Avatar Studios thing at Nickelodeon, and they didn't want to be. I'm sure they're like, you can't work for Netflix and us, you know. And have I mean, that makes studio sense. Here, that's what I think happened. But um, I think my biggest takeaway is I think it looks really good visually. It looks like they spent money on it. It's not it like does. it looks like they spent a lot more than One Piece. There is a big variety of key environments, and they looked serviceable. The bending looked pretty cool. We didn't get to see much of it, but. Um, Appa looked good. Momo looked good. Uh, like the digital creations, um, the lighting was giving a little Disney Channel. Uh, but I'm not sure. Sure, it's hard to and tell I based on the trailer. Like, like I need, it's a trailer. It's hard to judge on that. But I see what you mean. Yeah, you need more than like a one full second in an environment to like get a vibe. Get the vibe it of it. Faithful, I feel like though. it seems pretty faithful. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, it's just way more. It's just way more adaptable for a TV show than a movie. So it's going to be better than that other movie. Oh, we that don't, we talk, don't about. talk about. Yeah. I um, saw it though. You I did. saw that movie. That's like, ugh, okay. <laughs> it's like only seeing the Dark Tower it. movie. Do you remember the plot of it? Or like, no, Dylan, I, okay. It so was when terrible. you watch this, it won't be, you, you'll, you'll get to experience. No, new, that, that movie ejected my brain the next day. Okay, that's good. in the parking lot. Honestly, I was forgetting it. Well, that's good. At least it wasn't so bad you remembered it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll talk more about Avatar as it as it gets closer. But I'm excited for it. it cautiously February twenty second. Okay. I'm cautiously optimistic. So the week after uh, Madam Web. Oh wow! What a, what a you know action packed week. What a one two punch. Um. Yikes. Lastly, we got some Oscar noms to talk about. We They're do. finally here. Um, I'll go through, I guess, some of the categories. And some snubs. Some major snubs. Yeah. Um, Looking at you, best actress category. Yeah. We got best picture, American fiction, which we're talking about hey, now. Topical. Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall, which is the like courtroom drama right. that I'm like really want Michael to watch. That he will watch one day. We're gonna go see it in Absolutely. theaters whenever he releases. Barbie, 
Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, uh, which we also reviewed, and Zone of Interest, which I haven't seen. Um, of of the ones know. you've seen, do you have a pick? Mine's Poor Things. Like, like a favorite? Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall, but Oppenheimer's wow. going to win. You think Oppenheimer's got it? Yeah. See, if we're doing thinking, who, who will win and who should win. I was thinking I that I, my, my pick is uh, Poor Things wins that because Yorgos isn't going to also win Best Director and they'd give Best Director to Nolan. Nolan's taking gonna... Director and Picture, I think. No shot. Has he won Director before? I don't know. Maybe. Di- didn't Yorgos get it for the the favorite? I don't think he's won Best Picture ever. Okay. I know he really wants one. That's why he's He's going to get something. Like he's winning something. He's the front runner. Um We'll do we'll do a, a a a for real prediction show I guess the week before, but Yeah. I wouldn't be upset if he won. It's just like not personally my favorite movie, right. you know. Um we got actor Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti for Holdovers, Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer, Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. I thought Jeffrey Wright was really good. We'll talk he about was that great. obviously soon. But spoiler. Kelly Murphy was is the front runner. I think he's also really good. So yeah, he was very good. He made Oppenheimer like that's what made the movie as good as it was. Agreed. Yeah, actress Annette Benning, uh Lily Gladstone, Sandra Hewler, uh Carrie Mulligan, Mulligan, and Emma Stone. Um I think it's like a toss up between Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone. Emma Stone. But, I mean, I haven't seen Kills of Flower Moon, so I can't speak on that. But I poor thing's gotta get some Stone. love. She was so good, Dylan. She was. She was really, really good. Um, they res- won their respective drama comedy categories at Golden Globe. So sure. They're like the I would say they're the front runners. Um but no this Margot is the Robin? time to talk about no Margot. Yeah, very upsetting. Well, especially when you get a little bit further down the list, right? It's kind of yeah. interesting. Well, there's a little bit of like a Silver lining because the best supporting actress we got America Ferreira for Barbie, sure. Um, Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks, Jodie Foster, and Divine Joy Randolph for Holdovers. Um, I don't know who will win, but um, maybe Divine Joy Joy Randolph. But at least they got America Ferreira for Barbie. Sure. At least they got one woman. Didn't they also get? uh, Yeah, right. But they got Ken though. Yeah. Yeah, Only. that's the next one. Supporting actor, Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. He's great. great. Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, and uh, Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. I, I think Robert, Robert Downey's taking it. But, I, Robert uh, Downey's taking it, absolutely. I th- But, I, I like, Ruffalo was great in Poor Things. Sterling K. Brown was incredible. I don't want to just talk about American Fiction. Stay tuned for the review for our thoughts on that. But everybody that you just listed was really good. But I feel like it really hammers home the point of the movie Barbie to nominate Ken and not Barbie. It's just like the worst objects possible. Yeah. I feel like the to I, I don't know if you saw, but he posted about it basically pretty disappointed. So did America yeah. for era. Um he better he's not gonna win, but if he did, he better have like a good acceptance speech ready, you know? He would you gotta be pretty humble. Um I don't know. It just sucks. Like it super sucks. Because she was so good. She carried the movie. She also produced it, and she's the one who even like brought on Greta Gerwig. Like I feel these things are political. You know, they're not just like solely the best performance. It's like 
they'll do a career win. Like if they had a lot to do with the movie, that kind of thing. I think she, I feel like she should have been boosted by this movie, like being her baby. She was on before Greta Gerwig, you know, she's the For one sure. who conceptualized it. Um, I don't know. Like she's more than just the star of it. I feel like she should have gotten the, the nominated. Now she is nominated as the producer. So at least there's that, but she has to win that, right? Like, no, no, that's best picture. She's not going to win that. No. Okay. Sorry. Mm. Um, well, you said best producer, right? But like with the best pictures, the producers are the ones that like get the, oh. the direct, like the, the people who made the movie are the ones that get the Oscar. So she would win the Oscar if Barbie won best picture, but I see it's not going to happen. So that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. Uh, any other big snubs to mention? Um, I thought I saw May December. It was one of my favorites of the year, and um, Charles Melton from that. He's that Riverdale actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Really, he was amazing in that. I really wanted him to win. Greta Lee for Past Lives. Uh, also two Greta snubs this year. Yeah. Um, wasn't nominated. Um, and then in the director category, we have Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall. Martin Scorsese. Christopher Nolan, Yorgos Lanthimos, and then Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest. I really think Greta Gerwig should have been in here. There's a few Definitely. that I think you could trade out. Um, I don't know. Not Nolan like, or Yorgos, but and I okay. haven't seen Zone of Interest, so I can't say. But I mean, respectfully, I I understand I have not seen Killers of the Flower Moon, but Scorsese's gotten his flowers, all right? Like, can we... What, you know, was it... I don't know. Yeah, when you factor in, like I said, the political aspect, like he has, like you said, he's been, he's won so many, you know, like you could right. trade out for the... And he's made so many, just, he is, well, he, Morton Scorsese is very well respected, all right? Like, he doesn't need a dub. His name is synonymous with, you know, quote unquote, good film, right? So like, he doesn't need it. He's just one of those that's so consistently good that they'll nominate him no matter what he does, I feel like, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I think they should have made room for, they nominate things based on importance and impact and stuff like that. Like, sure. Barbie was such a um, groundbreaking on a lot of levels, you know? They Absolutely. Figured that out. I don't know. It could no. be one of those things where, like, everyone's like, oh, Greta Gerwig's going to be nominated, and then they chose their favorite underdogs instead, you know? Right. But, she was always a little bit of a dark horse, like a like a under under. Uh, Did she get nominated for uh, anything else? Before, like other award shows. Like, yeah, well, yeah, 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 like in Golden Globes and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. But they'll also like. It's also easier to get nominated too because they'll have more because they'll they split up comedy and right. drama and stuff like that. But, um, last one I think is relevant to the show is the animated feature. We got Boy in the Hair and. L- Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and across Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, there's no way it's not Spider-Man, right? I think Boy in the Heron's going to win. Do you really? I think so, yeah. I didn't see it. It's like his last movie, and it was really good. And it's Spider-Man is a sequel. Uh, has a lot going against it, I feel like. You okay. Know? All the drama see- with them oh. abusing their animators. Yeah, true. But... Yeah. Oh, also, I want to talk about one injustice that's not really relevant to the show. Okay. Barbie wasn't nominated for hair and makeup, which is wild to me. Like what? the hair, 
the wigs alone, I was venting about this to someone today. Like, like I know all the other Barbie snubs are a big deal, but they hair and makeup I, has it in the bag. Hair and makeup is always they always nominate most makeup, and it's so annoying to me. Like, right. Maestro got a nomination because Bradley Cooper has like a big nose. Right. Like they gave him like a big prosthetic, like offensive prosthetic nose, frankly, right. you know, and right. that's why they nominated it. Cause like, Oh, I can see that that's a nose. That must've been hard right. to put on. Like <laughs> the worse you apply the makeup, the more likely you are to get nominated. Like, do you think they knew all the color, like that Margot Robbie was number one wearing a wig and all the color matching they did for each scene, like the different shades and tones that they had to figure out and, for Everyone real. was wigged up in that movie, and the makeup was crazy too. Like, you have to be the most obvious, I guess, to win. So annoying. Like Suicide Squad being nominated for hair and makeup. That's what. Ri- that's ridiculous. That's Harley. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to. No, no, no. I, I'm, that. I'm with you on that one. Barbie, should, Barbie should have had that at least sewn up for a nomination, if not just the whole, the whole bag. You know. It's that's most crazy. makeup award. It's annoying. That's what we're calling it from now on. The winner of most makeup. Yeah, but yeah, those are the noms. Well. Interesting. We'll, we'll talk about the show when it actually airs. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. But that's all I got for this week. All right. Well, let's hear about that live sale. I bet you didn't know that we host a weekly live streaming comic sale. Dust off your old Facebook account or borrow your grandma's login. Join us every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Central. Bedrock City is the only verified blue check comic store on Facebook, meaning we're better than everyone else. It also means that we're trusted to bring you brand new quality key issues comic bundles, variants, and more every week at super affordable prices. Even if you've already spent all your money on Fortnite skins like me, you can still join just to hang out and chat comics with Kevin Austin and me. For all the details not covered here, or if your auditory processing disorder didn't allow you to comprehend anything I just said, head over to bedrockcity.com live to read all the details. Hashtag ad. And we are back. And before we get to my news, we're going to do our picks of the week. I'm going first. I'm picking a trade from Vault Comics, Vampire of the Masquerade, the complete series. That is the the two volumes of the of the, uh, the issues putting together in a single soft cover compendium. $29.99. Definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a good read if you like horror, uh, but it's also cool if you like the tabletop game because it also has uh, gameable elements in there like characters and stuff you can use on your in your table game. That's cool. Um, My pick is a new number one this week. It's called Resurrection of Magneto, number one, by Al Ewing and uh, Stefano Caselli. It is basically picking up X-Men Red's storyline. And it's a... It might be like a speculator book. We can just say that, you know? Okay. It's a pretty monumental issue. Okay. Very cool. Uh, And before I get to my news, Dylan, I think I figured out what movie you were talking about. The movie that we were both dreading. And then both really liked it. It's a movie we both gave four stars in March of 2023, but we were certain it was going to be terrible. Really, no idea. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. what it was. It was like uh, that. That was a mind blowing. I mean, not that the movie was so amazing, but like expectations in the absolute gutter. Yeah. And then, hey, this is pretty good. So maybe Madam Web can pull a D and D. You never no. know. No. Okay, it won't. Okay, um, moving on to my news here. Um, since we didn't have news last week, this would have been on last week's news. Um, the Exorcist Deceiver news, Dylan. Uh, it has been removed from the release calendar, and mm. David, Gord- David Gordon Green has exited the sequel. So, Yikes. Oh, no. They're not going to make a third one, or sec- second one, rather. 
I'm going to reboot again? No, just leave it. Leave it dead. It's... I think there was like a Razzie for like um, whoever. It was like whoever paid $400 million for the rights to Exorcist or something like that. <laughs> was like one of the nominees. Razzies are stupid, but like. I The Razzies they're... at one point were like kind of interesting. Yeah, it was fun, but then they're like. Then they got, got mean spirited. It got mean. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. It got. Um, it got. They got kind of nasty. Yeah, which, it's not fun anymore. Right. It's just a roast, and like, in not in that good, fun way. Yeah, but it's a good point. Like they've. That's like I feel like it's gonna go down as one of the worst deals. Like, for sure. You you paid so much and had one flop. Like, and they better try right. again. I mean, they have to, right? But how long? Yeah. I, I don't know how long they have the rights for, but I guess we'll see what happens. I would just start over if you're going to do it. Just agreed. I don't even know. Can you remake the first one or is it too, is it too untouchable? At this point, I don't think they get to like, it doesn't matter. Just do what you got to do. Cross just re- it over just, with something. Just what other release the first have? one. Animate it. I don't know. <laughs> this is rotoscope. The original exorcist and release it as an animated film. I don't know. Do something. It's, it's Blumhouse, right? Like yeah. do exorcist X Megan. Like, just gotta, we gotta cash in. Lean, somehow, in, lean you know? into it. Ex Emily Rose. Ex also, versus Emily Rose. Go out and buy Dead by Daylight and then just make a Dead by Daylight movie and put Reagan in it. That's it. That's all you do. Yeah. And put the Pope's Exorcist in there too. The <laughs> Not Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. All right. Anyway, anyway no. moving on. Um, so, the, Dylan, <laughs> there's a mystery uh, genre project from Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We heard about it a couple days ago when we just learned it was a mystery project. We didn't know anything about it. Uh, a mysterious feature film project, according to Deadline. Um, although apparently it's been revealed that it's going to be a vampire movie. According to Sony's, uh, sorry, Deadline's report today, Sony, Warner Brothers, and Universal are, quote, battling it out to acquire the untitled film project, which is said to be in the $90 million budget range. Brian Coogler wrote the script and will be directing the film. Deadline notes, quote, Coogler's, Coogler's script is a period genre film that is a true star vehicle for Jordan. So hmm. that'd be cool. Um, I wonder what that could be. I'd really be into that. I oh, can absolutely. see why there's like where people bidding on it, like studios for the to distribute that. I can see why it's like a hot ticket. They're saying it would be like 90 million. Like that's, I don't know. Um, Mar- Marvel better be scared with Blade. That's all I'm saying. Get it out. What would be really cool to me is, is so there's there's a series of novels um called The African Immortals or African Immortals um okay. by ten, by Tanana Reeve Du who is fantastic. Um they came out in the 90s and they were sort of considered to be like um like a direct competitor to Anne Rice's novels like the the vampire novels but mm-hmm. with a lot more uh depth of character to them. So if and those flip back and forth through time, so maybe there's an element there that'd be really neat. I'd like that'd to see cool. that if it's not if it's an adaptation. Um, but anyway, so there's that. We'll keep you tuned, to keep you informed on that one as more develops. Um, I got some Sundance news, Dylan. I know you're watching a bunch of Sundance movies, but you're not watching this one apparently, unfortunately. Um, so there's a movie coming out. Able to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you would have. Yeah. Um, there is a movie coming out at Sundance called "I Saw the TV Glow." Uh, it's a uh, a horror movie directed by uh, Jane Schoenenbrun. Schoenenbrun? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, who directed... This is her second film. Her first one was called We're All Going to the World's Fair. Which Have you seen that movie, Dylan? 
It sounds so familiar. It's, I don't think I did, but I, I think I might own it or something. It's really weird. It's a it's a movie that's shot mostly from the POV of a girl, a younger girl who has like a web obsession, internet obsession with like a. Oh, creepy... I have it. I know it because you've told me about it. Right. She she's really into this creepy pasta type type uh, video and just lives her life centered around a computer and consuming media about this creepy pasta. So interesting. Super super good. Um. Anyway, so there's this new movie. Um. I saw the I saw the TV glow charts the life of Owen Justice Smith over multiple decades. Initially introduced as an early teen uh, in 1996, Owen is a dysphoric and friendless outcast until he bumps into a slightly older older student and fellow outcast, played by uh, Bridget Lundy Payne, uh, at his high school. The pair quickly bond over the young adult supernatural series, The Pink Opaque, uh, which is going to be sort of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's an anthology. Uh, so yeah, it's a I, we don't know much about it other than but there's no trailer for it. There's there's a fake trailer online that you can't watch. Um, it's but, getting a lot of big buzz though. Yeah, I, it's a twenty four. It's it's going to be sometime this year, and I am very very excited because I love we're all going to the World's Fair. It's a weird movie. It's kind of inaccessible. Like it's not like the narrative is weird. It's not even there's okay. almost not a narrative. <laughs> Okay, I, it I, I I wouldn't say that that makes that's a knock that's not a knock against it. That's just how it is. It's just, just like skin and rake. Yeah, well, yeah, but with actually stuff happening. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so we'll keep you up to date on that as it comes out, and we got another teaser, Dylan, for this neon mystery horror movie. Remember a couple weeks ago we got the weird like phone calls, the nine one one phone. Oh, call is that video. what that was? Yes. Okay. So we got, got another cryptic teaser. Um, we, we're assuming it's for the neon movie Long Legs, but it could also be something called Cuckoo, which we don't know what either of those movies are. Um, Cuckoo is the one with Hunter Safer. That one looks good. Yeah. But there's no um, trailer yet, so it could be. Exactly. Um, so again, this this new this new teaser is 37 seconds long, features a clip of an FBI agent discovering, quote, something hidden beneath the floorboards of the house. The, uh, this lines up with the plot synopsis for Long Legs, um, which features uh, Micah Monroe as an FBI agent. The teaser is also filled with quick shots of crime scene photos showing a bloody knife in various dead bodies. And as I said before, this is so cool. I love this marketing gimmick. I'm into it. I think this looks awesome. Um, the vibes are there. Who knows if the movie will be any good, but the vibes are there. It seems so unrelated to the uh, the first one. I'm very confused, but I know no more. I know. D- does this mean that the movie's not good and they have to do all this to like get nah, excitement? Not necessarily. I feel like if it's bad, they wouldn't put this much effort into it, right? Possibly, but I don't think it's a good clear tell either way. Like, okay, I'm, I'm excited. Hyped. I'm excited. Um, two more little trailers here. We got a trailer today uh, for this new Apple TV Plus. Uh, eight-part conspiracy thriller drama series starring uh, Numi Rapace called Constellation. And you think you know where this mo- where this show was going, and then you don't, because it is a weird time and reality sort of thing. There's, um, let's see. Yeah, it's, um, 
she's an astronaut who returns to Earth after a disaster in space, only to discover that key pieces of her life seem to be missing. The action-packed space adventure is an also is an exploration of the dark edges of the human psychology and one woman's desperate quest to expose the truth about the hidden history of space travel and recover all she has lost. I thought the trailer was super strong. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I thought it looked super good. Um, I also like Numi Rapace a lot. I like her too. It, um, it kind of reminded me of the S- Silo, the other Apple TV show. But um, I don't know. I love a mystery like this, like a psychological horror style. I don't know. It looks really right, good. Right, because um, you think it's going to be real sci-fi, and then it just turns horror, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. Th- like, I like that the trailer doesn't tell us yeah, anything. Really. Yeah, it essentially gives you nothing. So that's great. It comes out February 21st. So a lot of stuff coming out February. Week after Madam Web, Dylan. Ugh, dang. Um, so it's it. first three episodes are coming out that day. Then it's going to be weekly. Okay. Which is pretty cool. I'll watch it for sure. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Um, I have one more little trailer here. Another Sundance movie. I, I didn't ask Dylan if he was seeing this one. Crazy House. Dylan, are you going to see this one? Crazy with uh, a K. This is what I thought you were talking about the whole time. Oh. Uh, it I didn't no it wasn't available online either. Oh, With too the bad. Sundance ones, maybe half of them are. Oh, that's and a lot too of bad. the big ones aren't, but this one okay. looks really good too. So this is um a nineties. Okay, so it's a it's a the trailer features Nick Frost um from all the Shaun of the Dead. Uh Nick uh I forgot everybody's name in that movie. Um Edgar Wright movies, um, as the lead in this. Uh, and and Alicia Silverstone from uh Clueless, uh, hanging out in this 90s sitcom style trailer until things get there's like a bloody horror twist. Um, the official direction says, "quote When Russian workers in Bernie's house turned out to be wanted criminals, Bernie has to man up and man up and save his 90s sitcom family." This trailer was awesome. I yeah, I thought it was really cool. It was really weird. Yeah, it looks I, bizarre. It looks so bizarre, but I'm super excited for this. And you enjoyed the trailer too? Yeah, I I love the vibes of it. Um again, don't know what it's about, but uh right. I would check it out just based on this. But I wanted to like okay, I want to ask you, is this because you know, like I don't have like the best frame of reference for a lot of older movies. Mm-hmm. Um is it like stupid to say it gives WandaVision a little bit? Like has the no, WandaVision come um, turn into something else been done a million times? No, that's like... relatively new, to my knowledge. That's not like a, that's not a tired old trope. Okay, well that's the vibes it gave me based on what I I've get that. Seen. I get that for um, sure. And but I really like different that. for sure. Cool. Like the horror, yeah, yeah, the horror element. The the I'm like the '90s sitcom where it's like something's off. You know, that's right. basically how the trailer starts. It gave me, it gave me yeah. Of that that's definitely not a tired old trope. So. I'm excited for Crazy House. We will definitely, assuming this gets a theatrical release, um, we will definitely be talking about this later. But that's going to do it for uh, my news this week. So let's hear about all those tabletop events. Now it's time to give you the rundown on all of the awesome upcoming tabletop events for the month of July. All exact dates and formats can be found on our Discord server. Kicking it off with Keyforge. We run two events a month at our Clear Lake location from 7pm till around 9. Keyforge is the perfect game for casual and hardcore card game players. We also love our role-playing games. 
Once a month at our Clear Lake store, we host an in-store one-shot RPG for players of all skill levels. Players don't need to bring anything. All play materials, dice, pencils, and character sheets will be provided. There is no entry fee. However, we do ask that you make a purchase of any size from the gaming department on the day of the event. Seats are very limited, and sign-ups are only open for about three weeks before the event. And of course, I can't forget about Paint Club. Every month we get together and paint some tabletop RPG miniatures. These events are for painters of all skill levels, including none. These events occur at our Katy and Clear Lake locations. We'll see you at the game tables. And we are back, and we are going to talk about American Fiction, the directorial debut of Cord Jefferson, uh, who also, I found out, wrote Watchmen, the TV series, um, which makes a lot of sense because that series was really well written. So, I um, yeah, I just learned that. Um, anyway, so here we are. A, fo- a final spoiler warning. If you don't want to know plot details of American Fiction, although it is a satire, so it, like it's not banking on surprises. Um, there is that. But there are some pretty fun gags that we'll mention here that I think would be best left to the to to be surprised but you've been mm-hmm. warned spoilers all right um Dylan what was your hype for this movie I was really looking forward to it it um based on the trailer I thought it looked really good and then all the awards buzz made me even more excited to see it so and I like to free write a lot so I was very excited what about you Oh man, I was so excited for this movie. Uh, of course, like I saw the trailers, I didn't know there was going to be um, award buzz, but I mean, it just makes sense because the movie looks very smart. Um, I and was I very excited for with it. the book. Were you? No, I never read the book. I didn't know it was a book based on a book until I saw the credits, and it said based on the novel by so and so. Sometimes you really got to research for that. Like they don't tell you in the trailer. Like when we did our book club back in the day, we would have to like yeah. hunt for whether or not these movies were based on a book, you know? Right. And they don't, this they don't, is one of those, I feel like, yeah, they don't always wear it on their sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's written and directed by Cord Jefferson, starring Jeffrey Wright, um, Trace Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown, John Ortiz, Leslie Uggams, and a few others. Um, that's really it. That's the main people, but okay, let's do the cast first, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Everybody was so good in this. Like everybody. I liked them all. Yeah, um, no bad, no bad performances at all. I think there were some like standouts. Like I thought, like his sister, um, Tracy Ellis Ross, was so good. I mean, she was barely in the movie, but I thought she was like super effective, very good. I liked her performance a lot. Um, Leslie Uggams as his mom was great. Yeah, she was fantastic. I thought, yeah, I, I agree about Tracy. She, uh, I feel like she's always good. You know, mm-hmm. she's like one of the nepo babies that I think has earned her, earned right. her spot. Um, absolutely she's amazing um and jeffrey wright obviously i feel like i mean um, he got nominated for an award he didn't need to sing his praises and sterling k brown yeah yeah sterling k brown was also tremendous those those two were great um those were the standouts for me they were amazing right um and i think going off of that to writing and directing i also think the the writing was obviously impeccable the writing was so 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 good um yeah very smart. So if you don't know what this is about, I guess we should talk about what this movie's about. Um, it is a satire about a writer, an African-American writer who is getting upset about six, uh, not finding the success that he wants 
with his publication and whatnot. And then he sees a book coming out by Issa Rae's character called Weasby Living in the Ghetto or something along that line. And mm-hmm. she's reading an excerpt from it. And it's, you know, written in a, in a street dialect that he doesn't, he's like, feels, he feels it's reductive, right? He He's like, what, this is what we're reduced to. We have to, so, you know, we have to do this. And so he writes a uh, parody novel as a joke mm-hmm. uh, with a pseudonym about with, with, you know, purposely misspelled words and the same sort of vernacular um, as a bit. Yeah. My pathology. Uh, and then it ends up getting sold through, a you know, comedy of errors, I guess, or a surprise people are interested in it. And he's like, I can't believe this. And it just works up into this satire about um, black people's place in literature and, and America in general, but mostly literature. And yeah, it's written so intelligently. Um, makes a whole lot of sense that he also wrote all of Watchmen. Like, yeah, um, it was really nuanced. I like that. Like the, yeah. I feel like the like you see it in the trailer basically, and I feel like the trailer does do a little bit, bit of a bait and switch. Like, I feel like the trailer builds it more as a satire comedy. Absolutely, it kind of hits you with being a family drama when you watch it. Um, right. It bills itself as being like Hollywood Shuffle, which is a classic movie from the mid to late 80s. I don't remember exactly when, um, which is, again, a very similar sort of vibe. But that movie is a straight up comedy. It's a satire comedy. Uh, and that's about uh, black people in Hollywood and having to play slaves and gangsters and whatever. And just like having to practice their vernacular and whatever. And it's a very insightful movie and super ahead of its time. Um, it it was giving that, but like plussed up and, you know, more, a little bit more erudite. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So but... I agree with you. Like it, the, 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 I didn't watch the second trailer for American fiction. So I don't know if the second trailer revealed more about that. I've only ever seen the first one. Um, but it, I didn't realize I was getting into a drama. I thought this was going to be a ha ha. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of ha ha, but like when it was, it was, really smart and sharp but um i i I agree i think the the story is like the strongest point of it the main thesis is like um i don't know it it gave me a lot to think about you know it's not like as surface level as like racism is bad you know it it, right exactly um it's like you were talking you touched on it was like you know the opposition some like black creators have whether they steer towards stories that have like racism and trauma, like a lot of trauma and whether or not that's um, accurate representation or reductive, like you said, or like exploitive um, and whether or not catering to what white people want to read is something that they want to be absolved. <laughs> they they, yeah. they don't want truth. They want to be absolved is what they want to the feel guilt. Movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then, and like the question of is it like worth eliminating those stories because it's being received in a way that's not as intended or so? Let me maybe talk not ethical. So let me talk on that. First of all, I'm aware of the bizarreness that there's two white people talking about this. <laughs> like, let me just uh, point that out. I'm aware of the. It's uh, hard because a lot of the movie is white people reviewing his book, and here of we course, are. and here we are, white people reviewing um, this, but. Um, let me tell you. So I think for most of the movie, you are, I might, I might be wrong. I have not voiced this opinion to anybody. So I, I might be fully incorrect here, but I feel like I am siding with 
um Thelonious monk's care or monk's character. Like we're getting it, we're fresh, we're fed up, we're frustrated with him. I mean, he's making choices that we wouldn't make necessarily, like he's being mean to he's people and shutting people out. Right. Yeah. But I'm I'm understanding what his points. Like I get it. I'm mad with him. I get it. I hate this book that Issa Ray wrote. You know, whatever, right? I'm with him to a to a yeah. degree. And then they have this amazing conversation in in this uh circumstance we don't need to get to. Um, they have this amazing conversation between the two actors or between the two characters that just flips everything on its head where Issa Rae explains to, she starts explaining the um, the context of her book and why she wrote it and et cetera, et cetera. And how she thought that the book that he wrote is a parody and stupid and has no soul. And it was just, that just changed my whole conception of the movie at that point. That conversation was a giant turning point for me. I was like, Oh man, I don't even know what I think. And it's not as cut and dry as you can't have that sort of vernacular or language in your movie or you can, or you can't it's, you know, where's, where's it coming from? What, what is the voice behind it? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the things, I don't know, did, how did, did you, do you agree with that at all? Or did you get that? Yeah. I think that was like the emotional roller coaster that I went on to, but I think that like, that's what I like about it is by the end, it like, Basically, I feel like what it was telling me was that it's just like an impossible landscape to navigate, you know, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it just it's normally like pretty unsatisfying, but like this is talking about the real world. So it's not. It just asks questions. And I, like, you, any I love that. At all. I told that to Matt today. I was talking about it. He goes, I was like, you, what I loved about this is that it didn't spell out an answer for me. It didn't give me an answer. It didn't say, well, and then racism was fixed. And, you know, um, but I think. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. But I think it's like probably white people and like myself natural like, you know, inclination is to want like, well, tell me how to feel like what, right? like this, the ball's in your core. Like, how should I like receive this art, you know? Um, but right. it's just like, I don't know. How should you is basically what it says. But I think, I think like the point of it is that black people aren't a monolith. So there's no like solution there's no like like right of course, it, of, for, of course they're all gonna have different opinions on this as well and right. i exactly. think the takeaway like our takeaway or my not, maybe not what it should be but mine is, is that it's like it's not our place to call out like pandering um you know that's like fully within their right to call out but like we can't really identify that and critique sure. it um, absolutely pandering when it's like created by someone like someone in that community i think that goes for all communities too um i agree which i see i see a lot of that all the time online it's really wild to me um, i know i see that too but we i think we have well, a responsibility they, to uplift and consume like a variety of perspectives is the, the takeaway you the know? point that you just made is the point they make in the very first scene of the movie when he's got the n-word written on the the blackboard or mm-hmm. whatever and then the white student is getting offended by it and is telling him what he can and can't say you yeah. know in his classroom so like you're you're completely right there. Um people so, get upset on other people's behalf a lot and it's like it's it can be toxic, I feel like, you know. It's absolutely. Not, and it's not the way it should be. <laughs> before before we rate it, I will also say I really so real quick, my absolute favorite scene in the movie, aside from the emotional turning point mo- moment with Issa Rae, was the scene where he's writing the book and he's got the two characters in front of him and he's writing their dialogue. And then they turn to him and like, oh no, that's not what I would say, or whatever. They're getting the dialogue coaching. It's I thought that was so that was like very well written comedy. Yeah, there's a lot of favorites. I don't know if I could. 
I guess maybe the end would be my favorite. Okay, when... that's that's the next thing I was gonna talk about is the end. I was like, I like that they were it was presented through different film adaptation endings, and we basically get the most like toxic black drama endings that we could get. You know, right. um, it was just such, such a good mic drop for the movie. I feel like you know, I could see the ending being unsatisfying to some people. Um, I could see True. that. I guess, but I'll tell you. The person, the people next to me were insufferable. Um, the, oh, no. Well, okay. They were talking a lot, but like when he gets shot in the fictional third ending of the movie that they see, the lady gasps at this. The lady next to me is like, oh, no. Like, ma'am, we, we've already explained that none of this is happening. We are all aware that this is That's a story. Wild. He's right. Like, and then when it goes back to him getting in the car, she's like, oh, my God, I thought he was dead. Like, are you watching this film? Media like, literacy is dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I I loved this movie. Agreed. Um I had a hard time rating it though. It's hard to rate it because like, okay, wait, I have like one conflict I need to oh. work out work out with yeah. you. Yeah. Um hear it. I so I, I know this movie's really meta. Uh and I'm not sure if some of the. <sighs> so I told you about the bait and switch about how it's like kind of more of a family drama, you know? Yeah. I wish that maybe they explored more of what the um, literary publishing aspect was of the movie, because that was definitely like a secondary storyline. Um, like his conversation with Easter Ray was like, I just wanted more of that, you know, like, right. I thought it was so interesting. Um, so. Like, part of me is a little disappointed that we got maybe more of a, like, standard movie. Um, but I'm wondering if it's, like, a meta, like, well, yeah, we did that to get you into the movie. And now we're just telling, like, what a normal story would be. Like, a normal family drama, you know? Like, mm-hmm. but we had to lure you in with it being, like, this dumb comedy. You know what I mean? I, I like, agree that, with you. Am I, am I overthinking it? Like... Maybe. But, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Like, it, the bait and switch element was... Um... It was there, but I the think the movie itself is disguised, and I wonder if that was by design hmm. a little bit. Because that's interesting. Like I said, if you go back and watch the trailer, it doesn't give. I need to. I'm gonna um, go watch the second trailer to see if it, in fact, does tell you that. Because I didn't watch the second one, so I don't know. I want to hear from the creators, and there's also like another meta aspect that could be like there's a lot of trauma within the main story too, and some maybe not fully fleshed out characters. And that also, like, is yeah. that a meta commentary as well? That like these sad things just keep happening to him in his real life. You know that that's the thing we're consuming is also about trauma. I don't know. There's like there's a lot to think about. I I, I bet that the creators don't tell us what their intent was with all that. I'm but... sure. I I mean I think though I so I think the movie could have dealt I, if we're talking about areas of improvement. I guess it could have been about 15 minutes longer. Um to get more, 15 20 yeah. minutes longer just to get a little bit more to it because it was under two hours which i mean i appreciate um but it definitely it had a lot of storylines it did it had a lot going on and i wasn't bored at all i had no urge to pick up my phone i had no urge to you know like i was fully engaged the entire movie um agreed but i was almost too invested like in his brother and his relationship with his girlfriend and what was right. happening with his mom it was just like a lot happening at the same time on top of the book trauma that um like I would have appreciated more or or less if right. that makes sense M- more time or less story 
Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so it was, it, I agree. It was tough to rate. I was waffling between a four and a four or five. And I think I'm sticking with a four. We use the letterbox scale for those of you that are unaware. That's 0.5 to five. And I'm going with a four, a very respectable four, almost a four and a half. I'm going with a four as well. Yeah. Super loved it. Um, I don't know. I hope I would love a Jeffrey Wright run on Ward or Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody needs should go see this movie too. I think this is a very uh, raw. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Making raw <laughs> important of the times. I just think we need to listen to black voices. <laughs> that was such a funny joke in the movie because they're. I feel like I need to give context. Oh, that that joke was myself. incredible. That they're, was a... talk, they're completely ignoring Issa Rae and Jeffrey Wright and they're, overwriting their opinions. That that is the best joke in the movie. Uh, there's a group, a room full of five five authors voting on books, and there's Issa Rae and Jeffrey Wright are the only black people in the room. The other three people are white, and the two black people are saying that they hate, they don't like this book, and then the other the three white people are like, no, but we really love this book. We really need to listen to black voices right now. <laughs> like, oh my god, incredible, top tier comedy. Um. Anyway, it's sad, but it's true. It is. It, it is. Um, but you really should go see this movie while you can. Um, although I think it doesn't lose anything being watched at home. Um, if you want to wait, that's fine. But there, there's nothing coming out this week, so go see it. And watch it with someone so you can talk about it. You know, yes, it's a good movie is, to discuss. Absolutely. Uh, unless you think everything is happening literally, like the lady next to me. Or if you're racist. Well, yeah, then that's definitely probably, well, you probably should, not going to like it. You should see it even more. <laughs> yeah, right? Extra special. I'll buy your ticket, all right? Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all so much for downloading us. Bye, everyone. This is Dylan. And I'm Michael. We'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking around for the mid-credits. We can tell you've been trained well. If you want to help us out, please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It'll really help new people find the show, and it will help us to get Rotten Tomatoes verified so we can start affecting those rankings. Then, check out our socials. We're BRC Uncanny on Twitter, Uncanny Universe on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you online.